Welcome to the Hunt Pack Country Podcast. This is episode number 397. And today is part one as we tell another listener story before and after the hunt. Our guest today is Caleb, and he's going on his first true Western hunt for spring bear in Idaho coming up here shortly. And so today we're speaking with Caleb before that hunt about some of his planning, why he chose spring bear, why he chose Idaho and really what he has done to prepare himself for this adventure. And then obviously after the hunt, we'll speak with Caleb again to hear about how the hunt went, the lessons he learned and much more. I really enjoyed this conversation with Caleb. We dove into some cool topics, kind of nitty gritty stuff, but also some big picture topics came up such as why when you have more knowledge, you actually need less gear, but sometimes you can't shortcut that process. So tune in. There's a lot to take away from this one, whether you're a newer hunter, new to Western hunting, you're wanting some information on bear hunting and more. You'll hear us mention in the conversation that we had previously answered some of Caleb's questions on a previous Monday Minute episode. And if you want to go back and listen to those, that is Monday Minute episode 171. I will leave a link for that in the show description as well. As always, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. If you have any questions for us, send an email to podcast at xmountgear.com. If you're enjoying the show, it would help us tremendously if you can leave a rating or review in whatever podcast app that you're using, or just share this episode or the podcast in general with a friend who may benefit from it. Hit pause and do that right now if something comes to mind. Otherwise, let's dive into this conversation with Caleb. Well, Caleb, welcome to the Hunt Back Country Podcast, man. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on, man. I'm pretty excited about this. The listener before and after series, I personally loved. We got a, a lot of good feedback on. So, as I've mentioned uh, in previous episodes, glad to be doing it here again this year in 2023. Uh, this will be the first um, spring focused before and after the hunt series. So. You're going on a spring bear hunt in Idaho, which we'll end up talking about, but we'll back way up to the very beginning. Um, any personal introduction you want to share for the listeners just to let them know a little bit about who you are, where you're coming from, that type of thing? Yeah. So pretty uh, pretty average guy, I think. Uh, I'll, I'll fit pretty well into the people who listen to your podcast. I, uh, I'm out of Texas. My name is Caleb. Uh, father, I've got twin daughters, uh, married. Uh, Got a pretty good job here in Texas. I uh, started hunting pretty young, uh, whitetail. And, you know, after military came back and got really into, uh, real big into waterfowl. So duck, geese, um, crane, uh, and of course, you know, kind of turkey and, and that sort of thing. Um, I hunted that for, for a long time. And a buddy of mine asked me to go and, and join him on a Western hunt. And that was my introduction to Western hunting and kind of got hooked pretty, pretty fast from that. What was that first Western hunt? Uh, it was an over the counter archery elk hunt in Colorado. And how long ago was that? Uh, that was 2020, I believe. Okay. Or 19. Cool. It might've been 20. Got it. And you just went, you went along for the ride, not holding the tag or anything like that. Nope. Didn't hold a tag. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess I could have in retrospect, um, I've, you know, bow hunted for several years, but 
more than anything else, I just wanted the experience. Um, and of course, I've done some backpacking and things like that, you know, through the years and, and figured, hey, hey, let's, you know, mix backpacking and hunting and see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't quite prepared for the Orange Army. I didn't really know what to expect. It was it was an adventure, man. It was a lot. It was a lot of fun. So Orange Army, was that uh, archery and muzzleloader overlapping? Uh, I, you know, I guess I don't know if, if the muzzleloader was there as well. I know archery for sure was. Um, but yeah. Got it. When you said orange, it made me think, you know, blaze orange during archery seasons typically because the overlap with muzzleloader. Yeah, it, it must have been because there was a ton out there. Okay. Got it. Yeah, it must have been. What were some some takeaways from that? Whether that was like lessons learned or, you know, as you said, like it kind of sparked a continued interest in Western hunting, but I think it is a cool opportunity to kind of go on your first Western hunt, but not necessarily have all of the pressure of it being your hunt. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of curious some of the takeaways that stick in your mind from that whole experience. Yeah, man. So there was zero pressure. I wasn't under the gun to, to take anything home. Uh, just like you said, along for the ride. Um, so biggest takeaway was, was really just how technical, uh, everything could get. Um, I, I'm one of those people who I obsess over gear. Uh, I, I just do. It's who I am. Uh, and I love it, but, uh, that whole, you know, backcountry thing, it, you know, it, it showed me that, okay, this is something that you can really get into and, and get into the nitty gritty. Like you want details, you want to go into gear and all that kind of stuff. This is a good place for you to kind of satiate that, you know, desire. And, uh, so I, yeah, that was, that was a big part of it. Um, big takeaways, man. I, uh, my pack was trash, uh, that had to go. I knew if I wanted to keep doing that type of hunting, I needed a new pack. And the one that I thought I had dialed in was boots. Um, and they just didn't work out for me. I, I had, that was the first time in my life that I've ever had blisters. Uh, so new boots. Um, and I, and I guess just quality of the stuff that you're using overall and how much of a difference that can make in, in your comfort and, and willingness to stay out. When you say you thought you had your boots styled in, was that just based on you'd used them in Texas? They worked fine, but they just tore you up in Colorado. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I, you know, again, to go back to kind of military days, I've, I've done a lot of hiking and a lot of packing and I've never had issues with feet. Usually it was one of those deals that I could put anything on my feet and off I went, I was good to go. Uh, and I don't know if it's just age or what, but it turns out my feet aren't nearly as uh, bomb proof as I thought they were. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's tough, man. Like even and we've obviously we've talked about boots a ton on the podcast and even talked about the challenges oh, yeah. of being in Texas or a similar place and like testing and assessing like are these boots gonna work when I get in the mountains and get on mm-hmm. uh steep terrain and side hilling and all that stuff. So it definitely is uh it can be tough to fully assess boots until you truly just get in the country and place the demands on. Yeah, especially you know, and I'm I'm in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, it doesn't it. I don't, I don't think it gets any flatter than than what it is out here. You can see miles and miles and miles. There's yeah. zero elevation changes anywhere, so you have to get kind of you know either up into the the canyons or or way deep west and south to to see any kind of elevation and put you know any kind of real test on that kind of stuff. That first hunt, um, twenty twenty. I don't want to completely hit fast forward to the spring bear hunt we're getting ready to talk about but like what what happened between those two so this first hunt this first experience created more of an interest in western hunting 
what is the last two to three years looked like then before we dive into this year's hunt you're getting ready to go on? Sure. So, you know, we I went on those couple of hunts and thought, all right, I want to do my own hunt. I want to see what this is like to go for myself. And I hopped online. I did a bunch of research, just kind of figure out, you know, what would would suit my needs, what would work, uh, the season that would work, and, and really what can I get on the soonest. And came across DIY audit hunts. Uh, so I booked a DIY audit hunt in way down South Texas. Uh, it's low fence and, and just an awesome, awesome time. It was a three-day hunt. Uh, and it ended up being successful, but it was an absolute grind. And that, man, that was that was just some of the most fun I've ever had in my life, for sure. What about it was a grind? I wasn't I wasn't used to glassing as like I had to. Uh, so mm-hmm. they're they're tough to find, and you know we we did it was just a lot of up and down, a lot of elevation. Um, we didn't really know where we should be looking, didn't know what to be you know what we should be looking for, and and I didn't really have any. I didn't know how to glass properly. Uh, I didn't know how to. I, I didn't you know I didn't have the right stuff. I couldn't get comfortable. I didn't have a tripod. I didn't have good binos. Um, and it was just, you know, it was kind of miserable, but it was, it was a rewarding type of miserable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially when the misery ends in success. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt. It was, we, we had to leave by noon on that last day. And, uh, we, we shot that on at, I got him at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was just complete. We were side hilling around, uh, this, this hill and saw him across the Canyon and, and snagged him. So pure luck. Don't know how it happened, but was thankful for it. Nice. So when you say you didn't know how to glass effectively, what did, what have you learned or changed about that? And I think you just mentioned like tripod and binos. So is it purely gear setup or was there things about the process and strategy of glassing that you kind of learned, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And it's both, man. So it turns out there's a there's a lot of technique involved in glassing. And a lot of it boils down to just patience, right? Willingness to find a high spot, get to the high spot, sit down and just plant yourself there and 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 kind of pick the mountainside apart. Um, so there there is the whole technique part of it and, and just scanning and, and actually studying and, you know, I, I guess just, con- you know, constantly reminding yourself of what you're looking for as you're, you know, as you're, you're scanning. Uh, and then the other part was for sure gear, uh, holding binoculars. And actually on that hunt, I had a pair of, I don't even know what they, I think they were razor, um, vortex razor binoculars, and they were supported on like a, a monopod, like a, just a, a, a stick. That was pretty much it. And it was miserable, man. Like holding binoculars for hours at a time on that was trash. Uh, just, it's not comfortable. It's not easy. It's not fun. It's not stable. Um, and whenever you're, not comfortable and it's not supported you just can't you can't dig in like you want to you know yeah there's definitely a difference between a hunt where you're fairly mobile and like occasionally scanning for something versus a hunt that's very like glassing is the strategy or at least one of the primary strategies and you're truly spending time and the difference that good support makes um when you're in a glassing situation not only to create stability which clearly translates into being able to spot things better but as you said just like the comfort and may sound funny to say but like 
if you don't have good support, you just get fatigued. And I realize you're sitting there. So fatigue may sound funny, but guys who have glassed for an extended period of time without good support will understand what I'm saying when it's like, it's fatiguing, you know? It is. It's exhausting. And the funny thing is, is I, you know, I remember sitting on forums, uh, you know, kind of when all this started thinking, you know, how absurd it is that I would spend, you know, why would I spend all this money on tripods? Why would I spend all this money on, you know, on glass? Why would I spend money on this? And it's not until you, I think, get out there and, and actually, you know, put yourself in those situations where you, you realize that, man, it would be a great investment after all. Yeah. It, uh, it, it sure does pay dividends, um, but it's, you kind of have to go live through it to, to really understand, you know, why you want to dump money into that kind of stuff, I think. Yeah. So speaking of investment and money, you, um, you, we were, you and I were exchanging emails uh, prior to this conversation, talking about different things. And you had mentioned that you were getting more serious about Western hunting. And I kind of asked you, like, what does that mean? Like, what does getting serious mean to you? Uh, and you brought up the example that you've given up a lease in Texas. You've sold things like blinds and feeders and really just committed more of those funds and your energy and your focus into western hunting um that's not just the hunting you've been used to at home in texas so that's a big move man like it's uh it's cool to hear (laughs) and i think obviously we've already hinted at it but elaborate on like what led you to i don't want to say jump ship on hunting in texas but clearly you have made some sacrifices uh that's going to probably make you a bit less effective or less invested if we want to use that term and hunting at home to create more opportunity to hunt out west. Yeah, so you pretty much that that's it. I um, once I realized that western hunting was the style of hunting I, I really wanted to pursue. Um, I I kind of started to I, I don't know just look at my own life and, and what I have going on right now and how do I manage, you know, my time and, and money responsibly. And, you know, like I said earlier, I'm a father of, I've got two little twin daughters um, that are growing fast uh, and I want to be around for them and I want to be able to focus time and energy on them too. So I, I can't do, you know, both. I can't do both well anyway. Uh, even this last couple of years, you know, I have a lease that's about an hour and 15 minutes away from me. Um, and it just wasn't, you know, going out there was, was tough to get to. So um, yeah, dumping, just dumping it all, man. I sold, uh, I got off the lease, uh, which you know, a couple of grand a year. Uh, sold a couple of blinds, sold some feeders, and reinvested all of that in the stuff I need to you know upgrade for for the mountains and heading heading out that direction. Um, and, and I've kind of ran the gamut on on gear. I uh, I had some, I had quite a bit of stuff, you know, even left over from backpacking days that you know to start off with. Um, and just the last couple of years have slowly been upgrading it kind of piece by piece to where I am now. And I feel, you know, real happy and real prepared for, for the spring bear hunt. Yeah, that's cool. I can relate to that, you know, um, coming from the Midwest and hunting out West more and that being my focus really for quite some time now, but I've, I mean, there's been years where I've hardly hunted whitetails. Um, even though I've, great access to do it it's just as you said Mm -hmm. with family and kids and limited time when you set your focus in one area and you want to invest time and energy and planning and gear and all that on uh you know this this western hunt sometimes it just 
doesn't leave much to hunt at home. Um, and there's certainly been years where that's been the case. As my kids have gotten older now, really my whitetail hunting is mostly focused on just hunting with them and not really hunting for mm-hmm. myself. So I can definitely relate. Yeah. I, I, if I want to go hunt a whitetail, I've got, like you said, I've got access. I can always go out and, you know, it's not a big deal. I think for, for me, it's just a matter of, um, I don't even know how to say it. So I, my wife gives me a lot of grace. She's super patient with, you know, with my hobbies and, and everything else. And I think that it's one of those deals where it, she, it, I guess just life is a whole lot smoother. If I, if I focus, you know, when I'm home, uh, focus on the family and, and be what they need me, need me to be and uh, take care of them. And, and they've got my attention. And uh, then it's not a big deal to leave for a couple of weeks at a time to, to go on these little adventures and it's a lot easier to do that whenever I'm not also saying, Hey, I'm going to take the weekend and, and head out to the lease. Mm-hmm. So this spring bear hunt sounds like then if I'm understanding the timeline correctly, not missing anything aside from the audad, which is a cool experience for sure. Something I want to do someday, but in terms of like an outer state, out of state, kind of like Western focused on this upcoming spring bear hunt is going to be your first, that is quote unquote, your hunt. Is that correct? Yeah, man. Uh, first big game out of state hunt. That's you know I'm, I'm holding a tag. I'm pumped. Couple questions. One is what made you decide on spring bear, and then number two, I know that the original plan was just for you to go solo, and I think that's changed a bit. But um, mm-hmm. talk about how you settled on. Okay, my first out of state western hunt. It's going to be spring bear, and then um, you know, yeah. So how did you make that decision? And then it is a commitment to go. I'm going to do this no matter what, even if that means going solo. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, talk about that. Yeah, man. Uh, so last year, towards the end of last year, uh, is, is whenever I was like, "All right, I'm I'm done with the whitetail thing. I'm I'm giving the stuff up." Uh, talking to my wife, you know, getting her on board. And then what really what it came down to is what can I get out and hunt the soonest? Uh, in, in spring season, there's turkey and there's bear. Um, so yeah, that that was that was what led me to spring bear. And then of course. You know, the whole search on how do you even hunt spring bear? Where do you hunt them at? What the seasons look like? Are they over the counter? Is it draw? Um, in Idaho, spring bear is just easy to get into. So I uh, landed, landed right squarely on that. And that's how I found it. And then you just, uh, you said it there. You picked spring bear because it's like, it's your first opportunity. Like logistically timeline. Like I want to go as quick as I can. And then it sounds like you just had enough like excitement and eagerness to commit to going solo. Yeah, I uh, man, I just need a vacation. I need a break. Uh, wanted to get away for you know while the weather's nice. I uh, I spend a lot of time at home, like I said, with the girls and uh, an adventure. Just it, it's needed. And yeah, man, I uh, so it, the intention was to go solo. And I asked a couple of my buddies, uh, you know, guys who I, I do a lot of you know coyote hunting and stuff like that around here. And I asked several of them if they wanted to go. You know, would you any interest in, in going to Idaho and hunting bear? And I mean, every single one of them was like, yeah, we're, we're out. We're not, we're not going backpacking for several days. We're just not going to do it. I thought, okay, well, screw it. I'll, I'll do it myself. I'll go alone. Um, and that was the plan for, for a while. And uh, I, I, I got it on the schedule and our nanny, funny enough, uh, I sent her a, a calendar invite that, you know, I was going to be out this week of, of May and my nanny said, Hey, my, my sons uh, are, they do taxidermy and they're, you know, part-time guides in New Mexico, they're doing a spring bear hunt. Like they said that they'd be more than happy to take you along with them. And I thought, cool, let's, let's do it. 
and I got a hold of them, and and that's how I wound up in in this group versus solo. Yeah, that's awesome, man. How many of you guys will be going? So it's going to be five of us total. Uh, one guy is not hunting; he's just kind of along for the ride, uh, not big into predator hunting. So uh, four tags, five hunters. And they've been doing this, obviously, a previous experience. Yeah, they all have. You know, I'm I'm the baby of the group, uh, so I'm I'm excited to learn from them, see what they can teach me, and they're. Uh, yeah, they're, they're adventurous. They, every, everyone was like, let's, let's just do the Frank. If we're going to go to Idaho, let's, let's go hunt Frank. And it, to me, I was like, oh my goodness gracious. Like I've, I've read about the Frank. Are we sure we're going to do this? Like, <laughs> uh, anyway, they, they want to do it. So I said, let's, let's go. How bad could it possibly be? I, uh, yeah. pretty good at embracing suck and might have relatively, low, relatively low expectations of, of taking anything home. Really for me, it's, I want to get out and see, see Idaho and just see the Frank. So pumped. Yeah. Excited about that. That's awesome. So you had uh, sent us a few questions that we talked about on a recent Monday Minute podcast. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm not asking like this from a, hey, did we do a good job? I know like sometimes like, we have our answers <laughs> brief, but what, number one, did we help you at all by answering those? And number two, was there anything that was like a follow-up question or that we didn't answer well? Because you had a list of several things, and to be honest with you, I don't even recall if we talked about all of the questions. But I guess let's let's come back to that list of questions, and yeah, either do we help you at all, or do you have other questions that you want like, to <laughs> dive into those topics further? Yeah, no, I was actually shocked whenever I heard that podcast. Uh, I, thought, I thought, oh my god, they're all my questions. I'm, and, and yeah, you answered every single one of them. The uh, a couple of them kind of ended up being irrelevant, um, you know, with the the wiser, you know, precision. Nah, they're quick sticks and you know turn that into a tripod and i was trying to get you know cute and just have like multi-use gear and it uh, it just didn't it wasn't gonna work out so um and then of course the tick thing i i, I hate ticks i just i do like even like if, if the dog gets them like i i struggle to pull them off of him uh they're yeah. they just gross me out so um yeah no it was it was super helpful uh all the questions that i'd asked you guys did answer and i appreciate you doing that in your planning, like this whole period of time, you've talked about you have some previous backpacking experience, you have military experience, you've gone on this um, Western hunt to Colorado at one point. You knew you wanted to do more Western hunting in the future, and then you committed to Spring Bear. What, I guess, in that whole process, like what are some of the very practical things? You've mentioned boots and packs and what have you, but did you feel like you just had to get a ton of stuff, like learn a ton of stuff? I know you talked about like the technical thing and that's what you enjoy, but has this been a process that like to feel, call it geared up and ready, has that been overwhelming to you or just like pretty enjoyable? It's been pretty pleasant, man. And I'll just start by saying like, I think that we all, tend to get a little bit carried away with this stuff. Um, I, I don't think that you need all the fancy stuff to go hunting and be successful out West, you know, saying that of course, having only done it a couple of times and I've never hunted out West. I think that you could be successful. Um, mm-hmm. I think for what it really comes down to is, is comfort and, uh, you know, how long you can stay out there and I guess just how long you stay out comfortably. Uh, it, it was overwhelming at first. Um, I think just because it's so broad and there's, there's so many manufacturers and there's so much marketing and it, it, it's just tough to really 
you know, what, what's true, what's not true, what actually works. Um, and, and what do you want to dump money into? Uh, so I started with, with boots and kind of worked from there to, you know, sleep system to rifle and then to optics. Got it. How did you, so go back to what we mentioned before, how have you gone through the process of selecting boots and then trying to evaluate while you're in Texas? Do I think these are going to be a good fit and actually work for me? Getting out and hiking, man. I don't have a, like I said, I don't have much to work with on, on uneven terrain, but the, the, actually the lease I had, uh, it, it drops off the cap rock here in, in West Texas and it does turn into some pretty steep country. You've got some, you know, pretty good, pretty good hills that you can get out and do. So, uh, this last season, I uh, did a lot of hiking in the boots I, I bought. Um, and I, it was, it's, it is the, the lease I was on is several thousand acres. So you can get some mileage in. Um, so did a lot of that. Uh, and the pair I bought turned out to work out really well. Um, once I put a pack on and, and got out there and did a couple of hikes and a little camping trip, uh, found out that I think they're going to work out pretty well. That camping trip, is that something you just did on the lease? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, we, t- we talk about that all the time. Like it doesn't have to be glamorous. It could be, you know, a mile, it could be in your backyard, but just getting out with a shelter and a sleep system and especially when these are newer items for you or just even a new concept like backpacking or what have you using a stove, using your shelter, et cetera. Like it doesn't have to be a big backcountry trip, but you better find a way to use this and like just kind of go through the process, if you will, before a big trip. Yeah, dude, work with what you got. So I've, I've got access to that lease still. I've got access to a buddy's lease so I can go out and kind of get out. Um, and uh, I, the first time I tested the tent I bought was in the backyard, just waited for a cold night and, and camped the backyard. Uh, had a blast doing that. Uh, and it was kind of fun watching my daughters crawling in and out of the tent. So yeah. uh, some fun there. You said stove. I, uh, the day I got my stove in, I was pretty excited about it and uh, set it up in the kitchen, made my wife a cup of tea. And she was, she thought I was a big dork, but it was fun. <laughs> I was going to say, she was not <laughs> impressed, but you were probably pretty excited. She was she was far from impressed. I thought it was yeah. cool, and uh, turns out the uh, the stove works. And I've used it a couple times since. But yeah, man, I think uh, it. You can buy all the gear in the world, but like you said, like you got to find some way just to just to try it out. Like it, at least have at least know how to set it up and uh, how to use it. Hundred percent. Cool, man. I you sent me your gear list, and I think you said it's working document. Things may change, but it is. Uh... Mm-hmm. it's cool to see it. It's pretty dialed. Like you have categories um, and kind of broke things down definitely with some thought, which is always helpful. And it it doesn't seem for like your first trip, nothing stood out to me as like crazy, you know, um, big, like why, did, why this, why that, right? Like you've definitely, I can tell mm-hmm. you've done some research and thought through things. And then going back to what you said, it's like, not getting too hung up on gear like you definitely have some some good gear in here absolutely Mm -hmm. um but it's also like things that stand out is you clearly didn't like drink the kool-aid and just dump all or jump all into like oh everything has to be this (laughs) brand or this matching camo or what have you like (laughs) you have you have some sitka some smart wool wrangler outdoor pants uh under armor you know stone glacier like different brands different things and not like you just walked out of an instagram ad which is you know <laughs> reassuring 
Yeah, yeah. I, so I do have a closet full of a bunch of sick of stuff that you know I did waterfowl, and I've got a you know a bunch of stuff for that, and you know their whitetail line, and uh, same for their for their their big game. But uh, yeah, you you kind of nailed it. Like I I definitely not brand loyal. It's more about just finding pieces that work um, and and kind of using that. And yeah, not, not being the guy who sits on Instagram. Um, it, it, really, at the end of the day, I, I just want something that works, that's comfortable, and is simple to use. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I, I feel you on that one. They, uh, the only thing I'm waiting on right now, and actually, you mentioned it in, in a couple of years. The uh, the ambient hoodie, you're mm-hmm. a pretty big fan of that, and I I'm waiting to put my hands on one of those. But that's really all I'm I'm waiting on now. Oh, cool. So you is that something you've ordered and you're just waiting on? What are you waiting on to get? No, I haven't ordered it yet. Uh, still kind of doing some research, but I just need. Well, what I mean is that that mid insulation pieces is, is yeah. the part I'm missing. It. And and I don't know, you know, I don't know what Idaho's like in in late May. So, uh, if you have any guidance on that, yeah, I mean, I think, and one of your questions, like going back to that Monday minute we talked about, was like puffy. Um, you know, the the puffy jacket, you know, morning and evening. Um, for sure, you're going to want like a true insulation piece, but um, it, as we talked about, like it can be super variable. Um, on a spring hunt in Idaho, it's like it could be in the 20s. It could be, you know, I know when you guys are going, it could be in the 70s, right? So you definitely have a lot of variability. <laughs> um, but then you look at um, bear hunting being a lot of glassing too. There's definitely um, downtime, and then you could find mm-hmm. yourself transitioning from glassing to making some quick climbs. Um, so yeah, a lot of variability. I do, to me, that's one of the things I love about that ambient piece is it handles that type of thing well, meaning um, it does provide warmth. Um, it's not a full-on puffy, but it's also something you can move in um, and not mm-hmm. overheat too quickly. So pairing that with like, I see you have a smart wool base layer top um, you would be using those two pieces a ton together. Um, and I think, you know, the ambient would definitely be in my pack if I was doing this hunt. Um, but yeah, you still yeah. need that true insulation puffy piece, which you also have on the list. So your clothing system, um, yeah, looks really good for sure. Um, our pack and rain gear, just, yeah, going through all that stuff, man. I think you're, you're dialed on clothing for sure. Um, Sweet. Yeah. Optics. Yeah. I see you got your, 10 by 42 binos have an adapter so you can run those on your tripod which is great and then i think this was you mentioned a newer item but you picked up the the swirl atc which is their compact spotting scope yeah that thing is money man uh so i I ordered it and it first of all it is way smaller than i thought it was to be like it is tiny tiny like it looks goofy on a tripod you know what i mean like yeah uh it's so shockingly small uh but man like it's small enough that you, it's something that you're going to take. You're like, uh, there is no question. Yeah. It, it's going with me. Um, and it's something that I think I can, it's at least for the style of hunting that I'm going for. And I'm not a, a an inch counter. I don't really care about that. Uh, you know, if anything, it's just meat. Um, but it's small enough, compact enough and still zooms in enough that it's, it's helpful and useful. And, um, yeah, I'm excited about that little thing. Yeah, I've used it. In, well, I use the STC, um, the straight version, but you know, mm-hmm. same same idea. Um, a bit in the field, and it's a it's a great spotter for what you said, like super compact size, 
something small enough, light enough that's easy to take without it feeling like much of a burden, I think you'll be really, really happy with it for sure. And that's another thing too. It's like optics is one of those areas that makes me think of um, because you guys are hunting as a group, thinking through the logistics of, okay, were we staying together or are we going to break out in like two or three man, you know, teams or groups and what optics are other guys bringing, you know, is there a a big objective high zoom spotter in the group? Like those are definitely some of the conversations that um, you can just be a little bit strategic on in terms of like being able to share optics or make sure that there's maybe some variety in the optics, depending on, again, what gear people have and then how you plan to structure the hunt in terms of actually being um, with other people. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, sharing gear and everything else is kind of what we've been doing. We, uh, I sent out that spreadsheet I sent to you, to the buddies I'm hunting with and kind of, I'm having them combine theirs, add theirs to it. And, uh, we'll go through it and see who has what and what we can split up, what can be shared. And that way nobody's carrying way too much stuff. A couple of things that stand out, like you have um, your outdoor edge knife and then a Benchmade skinny knife and a multi-tool like to me that's yeah. probably more than you quote unquote need mm-hmm. um you know maybe pair that down to one knife and then the multi-tool like if you think you need it um the outdoor edge has i have not used one in quite a few years i'm trying to remember but they have a much easier like i'll put it this way i used to carry a tiny like micro multi-tool when i used a Havilon knife just because i found it so helpful for changing blades Um, but I think the outdoor edge, their system's a bit easier to actually swap blades. Is there a specific reason you're bringing like the multi-tool for example, or it's just one of those general purpose, good to have for repairs or what if type scenarios? Good to have general purpose kind of deal. So I, I have it on the list that will probably end up staying in the side-by-side, uh, or with, with, you know, the truck, whichever it is. I don't intend to carry all three, that little, uh, Little out, I'm sorry, the uh, outdoor edge knife will probably go with me and everything else stays behind. I um, The only thing I don't have that I might need to look into is and kind of the, that multi-tool would serve the purpose, but a saw. Um, or do you guys even use, like, if, if you're taking, you know, like a bear, if you're taking, it, you know, the cape and everything else, how are y'all getting through the, the vertebrae, the spine? You can definitely do it without a saw. Clearly, a saw would make it easier. Without a saw, you just have to... And this is where experience comes into play a little bit. Um, And obviously you don't have that, which is perfectly fine, but maybe ask the other guys, like what do they do and what's their knowledge level? Um, Maybe they just use a saw or maybe they don't. But if you don't, it's just basically understanding like joints and where you can use a knife. Again, this is a great question that brings up a great point. If your only knife is like an outdoor edge or a placeable blade knife, that also... um, makes it more difficult to not have a saw but like what i would typically do and i'm not saying this is what you should do but i've gone from using a replaceable blade knife to having a fixed blade and part of the reason for that is not only for bears but you know other animals elk deer what have you is having a more rigid blade to be able to use um Mm -hmm. at joints and to um you know whether that's getting the lower leg off, whether that's getting the skull off at the base of the vertebrae, et cetera. Um, it can be done with a knife. You do have to have some level of knowledge of like where to cut, how to cut, 
how to apply torque and force to help um, make that break. And then again, you would also want more of a fixed blade knife versus something like a replaceable blade knife. Yeah, just that rigidity. Um, yeah. And the guys, so fortunately, the guys I'm going with, like they they do this on a pretty regular basis. So I, I'm sure they'll have all the knowledge. Maybe I didn't think that through very well. Um, yeah, I just remember on that audit hunt, uh, you know, when I, when I would kick it out, first time I'd ever kicked anything, uh, but trying to get through the neck, man, that took me, I was on the side of that hill sawing through that neck for, it felt like hours. Yeah. Yeah, it can be tough. Um it can be tough for sure. But yeah, if you get the joints in the right way and then again, kind of know how to apply the right torque. I mean, one perfect example of that on bears in particular would be just even like getting the the pad, the paw um, broken mm-hmm. off at the bottom as well. So it can all be done without a saw, but I will say um, a saw will make it easier, especially again, if you don't have um, prior experience or someone to show you. I mean, that's how I've learned is just by learning from people who had the prior experience on how to break it down yep. without a saw. So, but yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's no. a good point. And then one thing we've, I think we've mentioned this like just super briefly, but um, I've not really, I have, well, yeah, I guess on some hunts I have, um, but I don't typically necessarily pack a saw, but like something our buddy Tyler turned us on into is, um, just making a little kind of impromptu handle and carrying uh, a fine tooth like sawzall blade that you can slide into a really light handle. And mm-hmm. that can be just a really light, simple way um, to like, even if you wanted to do like on say an elk, um, and if you just wanted to skull plate and not carry out the whole skull, for example. So there's definitely all kinds of little ways you can approach this based on the hunt and your knowledge of breaking things down, things like that. Yeah. I'll, uh, and I'm sure we'll figure out as we go. And I've got a couple of hunts lined up this year to, I think, explore some of that. I've got a lot to learn, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, what's fun though, dude. Like don't, that's a perfect example of, um, like this area talking about a multi-tool and a fixed blade knife and a replaceable blade knife. And people will like, shortcut the question and say what do i need or which one's better and it's like okay number one better for what and then Mm -hmm. which one do you need based on what animals are you hunting what level of experience do you have etc and i think the and this is a big principle but the more knowledge you have the less the less things you need right yeah but don't don't forfeit or don't um don't skip ahead, right? You need the knowledge to be able to mm. apply gear correctly, or you need the knowledge to be able to get away with less, but you can't necessarily not have the knowledge and then just automatically start with less, right? Like maybe the right call is to pack two different knives and a saw and whatever right now, but then maybe you learn some things and then in the future you realize, okay, you know what? I have these two different knives. Now that I know what I know, now that I've seen what I've seen, I, I can get away with just this one, for example. That doesn't mean that in the very beginning you should have only packed one, right? It's just that yeah. over the experience and with some more knowledge, you realize what you do and don't need. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> I think also, man, just uh, who cares? Like, it just don't don't get locked out and get this <laughs> yeah. you know, analysis paralysis and freeze up like just take whatever you've taken go about it and figure it out and if it doesn't work then come back and try something new uh yeah but i'm I'm with you on that man like just go give it a shot what's the worst that could possibly happen right 
Yep, absolutely, man. What I'm this is uh just jumping around here again. I saw your list pulled up and I just saw it made me think of it. What made you land on so your shelter is the Durston X Mid one, which is a a cool shelter, um, something that I have used, something that I like. I would say it's um not the lowest hanging fruit, meaning if a guy doesn't have experience and he like goes to REI or something like that, it's not a shelter <laughs> he would run into. So clearly you landed on that from doing some research. What made you choose that shelter? Uh, yeah, so I, I did do a bunch of research and I forget what all the tents I looked at, but I had it narrowed down to a pretty good list. And I had kind of read about Durston, but I hadn't really considered it. And I think the reason why is they were just so tough to find. Um, so I didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. And then uh, that buddy of mine, uh, my nanny's son, she or he uh, he texted me and said, hey, I've got a, a tent, a couple of tents I'm looking to sell. And this was one of them. And I, as soon as he said Durston X, I jumped all over and said, yep, I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. Appreciate it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how it wound up in, with that one. And it's, it's slick. It works really well. I like the tent pole uh, set up. It's fast. It's not huge. Um, but also the, uh, the vestibules, you know, on both sides is, it, that's a pretty cool little, it, it just works out really well. No, I think it's a great choice, man. And, you know, like you said, it's not huge, but I will say for a one man tent, it is very, livable space like there's definitely a lot tighter tents both in terms of space for you as well as you said like dual vestibules like it has pretty good space for gear and all that comes while still keeping a pretty um pretty small footprint which could be handy especially in country like the frank where there's not a bunch of flat ground everywhere (laughs) yeah yeah it'll and that's what i was going for just something small compact uh easy carry around light uh and then you know of course it's just effective um that same token. So you see, I have a tarp on there as well. I don't know how many YouTube videos I've watched the bear hunts where I see these guys like on the side of a mountain and it's, it's either raining or hilling or both. Um, and they're, the tarp thing just comes in real handy. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something with the amount of time you're going to spend on the side of the mountain glassing? Is that something that you think is worth the wait to take? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question and something I was like, going to ask you why you were packing. Because <laughs> again, like I don't think it's a, a bad thing to pack, but I was hoping that that was your intention for packing it. Um, I do think it's a great thing to... So two two thoughts, that two big thoughts that come to mind. One is it's a perfect example of something I would chat through as a group, right? Does every man need a tarp? No. Is it probably a good idea if you're hunting in like a group of two or three to have a tarp that you guys could all ride out a storm in yeah that's probably a great mm-hmm. idea um so that's the first thing and the second thing is for sure bring it on the trip and then potentially um you know it's one of those things that like based on the weather forecast and how long you plan to be in there maybe it makes it into your pack and maybe it doesn't right like if you just know yeah. like okay we're going in for you know call it three or four or five days and the weather looks great that doesn't mean that something couldn't happen but Maybe it's one of those things you decide to leave back. But on the flip mm-hmm. side of that, you could very well go, oh man, this is looking like we're going to get quite a bit of precip and there's this chance for this storm and that. Um, then I think it's a great a great thing to have. Um, a spring bear hunt, I would say on average, is a place where I would use a tarp more than like a fall, call it elk hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because the time of the year, also because of... Um, the more stationary glassing, that type of thing. So yeah, I think it's a, a fantastic thing to have on the list. Um, it's just one of those potentials 
based on weather and based on kind of the group dynamics and shared gear that may or may not make it. But I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah, and we did. I, uh, I said, before I bought that, I sent a text to the group. Uh, of course, we have a, a group text going or whatever. And uh, and I asked, you know, who has who has a target? One of the other guys did have one, but I think that he was the only one. So I went ahead and snagged this one and figure, you know, between the two groups. And that's that's the plan is, is we'll get there. Uh, probably share camp uh, every night, but hunt in two different groups. Um, let's split those up amongst us if, if we need them. I will say a tarp, even like we talked before about use your shelter, test your boots, do whatever. A tarp, um, I don't say it's it's more critical. I would say it's more, um, it can be more challenging, right? Like you need <sighs> some level of experience with it in terms of like, well, what's the best way to set the, and this depends on what type of tarp you choose, right? Is it just a flat tarp? Is it a cat cut tarp? Is it meant to be set a certain way? Is it one of the universal tarps that can be set up 27 different ways? Um, mm-hmm. But I will say tarps can be tricky when you don't have experience or like haven't gone through the process of, okay, well, what's the best way to set this up? Or how how would I set this up if I have two poles or four poles or a monoslope or this or that? There's just a more probability with a tarp that you find yourself in a, a situation where if you haven't thought about it or pre-rigged things like guidelines or gone through a setup process before that you could just be like, I have a tarp and here's a storm, but I'm not quite sure what to do with this thing right now. Yep. I, uh, so I'm heading out to the lease here in a couple of weeks. And that's one of the big reasons I went out there is, is a test out that tarp. So I figure if I can find myself on the side of a hill out there and if I can get three, you know, three ways to rig that thing up, I'll be, I'll be happy. Uh, I just figure out how to do it, know where to put the poles, know where to put the guidelines, how to set those up. Uh, but if I can get three different ways to do it, I figure I'll be in pretty good shape. Uh, but I can see, man, it, they, they rely so heavily. Like you said, it's, it's, real, it's a little bit more technical and you figure, my God, it's a flat paper. Like it's, it's just a flat piece of, of material. How complicated can it be? And they are, man, you can rig them up a million different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'll go find a side of the hill and see if I can't figure out how to put the damn thing up and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the flat tarps are great because they offer a lot of versatility, but because there are so many options and ways, it's almost until you get comfortable with it, it can almost feel more complicated. Um, whereas some tarps, it's like, okay, here's the way to set up this tarp. And it's more limited. It's not um, as adaptable per se, but because it's simpler and there's fewer options, it's almost easier. But when you do have some experience with like a flat tarp and you know, okay, in this type of terrain, or this is my goal for how to set it up, like these are some options, then they're fantastic because they can be utilized in so many different ways. Yeah. Yep. And I, that, then again, the big, the big concern there is if it starts raining, I just don't want to be sitting in the rain. That would it just suck. Doesn't sound fun. So yeah. Cool, man. Excited for you, dude. Um, any other questions that come to mind for like us or other things you've been just like, even if it's not a question for us, but just something you're still, as you get, I think you're still call it six weeks out from this hunt to use round numbers, like just thinking through, I'm still trying to figure this out or I'm anticipating this or not sure about that. Like what are, what are the things between now and the start of the hunt that are on the forefront of your mind? So continue uh, working out. That's, that's a big one. Um, Again, we don't have elevation here. So uh, just finding, you know, ways to fit that in every day and managing around my schedule, my wife's schedule and uh, two little girls 
So yeah, keep the workout routine. Um, that's been a, are going to be a big one. And and those those last little pieces uh, of gear getting those sorted out. I got to get the uh, that insulation piece and then uh, the tarp thing. You need to get it figured out. And uh, <clears throat> as far as questions for you guys, I I, mean, I I figure with between the five of us, if you get us out there, you know, we'll 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 find success. I, I think it'll be a, a good adventure, and I think that we'll I'll learn a ton. And I think it's just a good way to kind of kick this all off and start the year this, start the year with spring bear, uh, jump into a cow elk hunt, elk hunt and then uh, an animal hunt at the end of year too. So. Awesome. Where are those hunts at for the fall? Uh, yeah, going to do the cow elk. Uh, I believe it's a landowner tag hunt in New Mexico. Okay. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not 100% sure on that one, uh, but I think that'll be in late December, early January. And then going to do Wyoming for antelope. I've been, uh, you'd ask, you know, what am I doing? What have I done the last, or what have I been doing the last couple of years? Kind of while I've been waiting and, and it's building points. So I have been uh, buying deer and, and antelope points in Wyoming the last couple of years as well. Well, I'm excited for you. And uh, yeah, man, it, it is fun. It rekindles, you know, it's been basically since last summer that we recorded all the quote unquote before of the before and after the hunt series. But doing this again now, like just reminds me how exciting it is for me personally to know <laughs> that, all right, I got to chat with Caleb and he's going on this hunt and we get to chat afterwards. It's super cool. So thanks for uh, chatting today and just super excited to chat with you after the hunt, man. Looking forward to it and best of luck. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. I'll uh, I'll check in with you guys before I leave, and then on the way out, I'll uh, let y'all know how it went. Hopefully, we hopefully I can have a bear a bear rug in my daughter's room this fall. Well, good luck to Caleb. I'm excited to talk with him after this bear hunt. I hope you are excited to tune in to that conversation and hear how this adventure went for him. To make sure that you receive that episode and all future episodes of the podcast for free, be sure to hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app, and you will get those future episodes automatically. As always, you can access all episodes just by going to exomountgear.com forward slash podcast. You can find the years of back episodes in our full catalog there. You can search by keywords, you can browse by topic, and much more. So check that out if you haven't already. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.